Hi, welcome to Bible Studies with the Twins. I'm Lori. And I am Michelle, and we are your hosts for this podcast. Excited to have you here. We are twin sisters just sharing our love of reading the Bible for the very first time to encourage you to do the same. We're not Bible experts, we're just two girls who fell into false teachings, law of attraction, manifesting, didn't know God's word. So we are sharing our journey to encourage you to join along with us to know the truth. We hope our Bible studies bless you along your walk with Christ. So join along with us, grab your Bibles, and let's get started. Before we get into our Matthew Bible study, we wanted to let you know this was the first book of the Bible that we started reading after coming out of false teachings, new age things. So please remember, Lori and I are new to reading and studying God's word. We have learned a lot over the years, not just with about God's word in the Bible, but in the book of Matthew as well, we came across other people later after we recorded all of our Matthew Bible studies that taught us new insights. So we might squeeze in other little talks of just sharing those little things along the journey of these Matthew Bible studies. Please though, make sure you check out our Matthew resource page where we're going to link up all the resources. If you hear something, please give Lori and I grace and mercy along our journey. We're still learning and growing and Jesus is still working on us and changing us. So we hope you enjoy these Matthew Bible studies. Hey girls, welcome to part two of Matthew chapter 12 with us. We're so excited to have you here. Disclaim, Michelle and I don't know everything. Please don't hold us up on a pedestal. We're going to make mistakes. We sometimes might say the wrong thing. So please forgive us and show us mercy. Um, and so but again, we're just honored to have you here doing this with us. Yep. So let's begin. We're starting off again at verse 22. We did the part one already, which was the first half, and now we're going to finish out. A little quick before we read this, I just want to say um, the, the local pastor here of our church was mentioning in his sermon that some people out there don't really believe and there is a demonic spiritual stuff happening out there that does go in and can possess and stuff and change people and he just made note of you see Jesus do it a couple times here in the Bible and he doesn't he believes in them because he, he takes care of it he takes the the evilness out of the people so he was just reminding us that if as believers we believe in Jesus and everything in the Bible so mm -hmm. if Jesus believed that there's demonic possessions then we too need to believe in them as well. And I think it also, is out, out there. Yeah, and I think also there's some people that don't believe there's a hell. So let's yep. dive deep. So verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. So I guess we'll stop there real quick before we read about the crowd and then the Pharisees. So... A demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak. Pastor here reminded us here that uh, it's a spiritual problem that turned into a physical manifestation in terms of a spiritual problem with a demon, and then it turned out to give him some physical issues of blind and couldn't speak. So just make note of that as well. And then going into um, this commentary, paint this picture as well. So the man who brought, was brought to Jesus was certainly in a sad state. Like I said, like he was blind, unable to speak, and was possessed by a demon. Jesus delivered the man, something the Pharisees could not do. So remember that he's doing things that they could not do. Yeah. Um, because again, it's 
it wasn't just a physical issue, it was a spiritual issue here that was what was happening. And the Pharisees couldn't take care of the physical, only God can do that. Their accusation um, by his follow-up here that we'll get to was that he worked with, again, the power of Satan, which we've, we've heard the Pharisees mm -hmm. say that before, and not by the power of God. We're going to move on to verse 23. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah, so there, the, the crowds are starting to, they've been, they've been watching Jesus do all these miracles that we've been reading through, and here they are like, they're amazed, and they're starting to ask questions like, can it really be him? So they're, they're starting to actually conclude that, you can see like, they're asking, could it, could it be him? Like, oh my gosh, it is. Like, they're mm -hmm. starting to get the idea like, this really is the Messiah. And then the Pharisees come in on verse 24, but when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets the power from Satan, the prince of demons. There again too, so Jesus healed this man. It's a spiritual issue. The crowd's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, I think he really is the son of God, the Messiah. And then of course the Pharisees start, you can tell like they're probably panicking. Like, oh my gosh, the crowds, more people are starting to believe that he's the Messiah. Like we can't, we can't have that happen in a way. So then they responded that way again, kind of reminding people and stating, no, he's doing that because he works with Satan. Verse 25 here, Jesus comes back with his response. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew their thoughts. Remember, God knows our thoughts. And we've also seen that before. Jesus said the same similar thing. Um, I just always like to make Some note of when things. I see things Jesus does a couple times like mm -hmm. here, the, the demon possessed, when he hears the blind. Um, here he's he, in the Bible, you know, everything I feel like is written on purpose. So re reminding us again that Jesus knows our thoughts here. Yeah. So oh, no, sorry. He said that in chapter nine, perceiving their thoughts, Jesus says, why are you thinking these evil things in your heart? When, uh, it was the, the paralyzed man came down. Oh, so, right. Sorry, okay. That was That's okay. Cool. So again, he's saying any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? I guess um, there were exorcists back then, we found out. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about, but they were back then as well. And they would do all these crazy things again to get the demons out of the bodies. Of course, it never really worked. They cast out demons too. So they, they will condemn you for what you've said. But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone, could, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. And this is a big one, I must have said, when I first read this, you, you kind of get just what Jesus is saying, like here, he's, He's seeing their thoughts and he comes back with kind of being like, how can I, it's kind of silly almost if you think of Satan casting out Satan. Like he was kind of like almost making fun of them in a way I feel here. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, no, I'm the, I'm the kingdom of God that comes and he does this. So. I mean, I just like how he just makes, he answers them back with questions to get them kind, kind of, of thinking. thinking. A Chuck Smith guy, again, he <laughs> says, Jesus, Jesus is here, verses here, 25 through 30 here, kind of saying, He's dismantling their belief by using logic. The local pastor here, when I was listening to his um, sermon and going over this, and he just made note again, when you read the Bible, it's also really important to know the context, 
who's talking to who, because um, some things are written for certain people. And this is one of those times he was saying that, who's, who's Jesus talking to in these first couple verses that we just read? He's talking to who? The Pharisees, okay? Mm -hmm. And then who are the Pharisees? They're non-believers. Obviously, we've seen that. They are not... They're not for Jesus. They're not for Jesus, and they don't believe them. So he said, when you read this, make... Just have that always in the back of your mind that during all of this, who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to the people that don't believe. So as believers, we don't have to take get too scared of some yeah. of the stuff he says because we believe in him. So he, it just, he just made note of that, I think warning people that as believers you can kind of maybe get freaked out by some of the stuff that Jesus is saying here but he's reminding us you're a believer and you don't need to worry but it's for the unbelievers here that Jesus is saying this type for of me stuff you're not yeah. yeah and so um again as I said like Jesus is here talking to them about the absurdness that Satan's going around casting out his own demons like can can they not see how silly that sounds yeah like um, I my notes like Jesus is pretty much saying let's let's kind of think this through like, the kingdom of God is here, and you guys are missing it. Again, yeah. he's just trying to... And I just love how he, he asked why he asking questions to get them kind of thinking about what they're implying and what they're asking. The other thing about this part, again, when he, when he brought up the exorcist... Um, so my Bible doesn't have that in it. They took that out. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Mine's for, in verse 27. What's your verse 27? Well, it says, And if I drive out demons by Belzebul... By whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. Mm. So similar idea. Well, even though they don't use the word access, but the idea that you have people who are pulling yeah. out possible. But that he's saying here, what the what the pastor was reminding him, all of us is that when how did Jesus when this this demon and the other demon like he didn't do anything physically to get the demon to come out of this man. He just said the words and he comes out. And same with the other a demon possessed man. So he was saying here is that knowing exorcists they would do all these like physical things crazy things to get the demon to come out and here he's like well i don't i just say you know so i think again another proof that he was saying again he's got but if i'm casting out demons by the spirit of god again by just the words of these saying it's getting the demons to come out the kingdom of god has arrived and he's more powerful so anyway it's just something that i thought was very interesting to kind of make note of there like oh yeah like Again, he's just really trying to, I think, to kind of go back to them with being like, hey, can you really think about this this through more? So Jesus, again, here is pointing out that their statements were illogical and impractical. How can Satan fight himself? Again, Jesus here is affirming that Satan does have a kingdom, and and, um, and it's for the God of his age. He also said that Satan has a house. They were talking there at the end there, which seems to refer to the body of a man who has possessed. If Satan casts out his own help, demonic helpers, and he's opposing himself, and he's, he's then therefore destroying and dividing his own house. So, you know, it's kind of like illogical to think about that. So, it, um, Jesus was able to cast out demons because he was first defeated, but he first defeated Satan, the prince of demons. So, remember the couple chapters where we saw Jesus and Satan battle it, not battle it out, but like kind of battle it out in a way, mm -hmm. and he overcome him. His victory was through the Spirit of God not in the power of the evil one. This means that God is victor over Satan and that men must decide on whose side, whose side are they going to stand on. There can be no compromise. We're either with God or against God. And um, I think that's just, again, remember who's talking to you. Remember who's talking to the unbelievers of like, hey, you're either for me. You've seen all this stuff happening. Mine is by the spirit of God, not 
the work of the, the devil there. And he just made side note of, I'll just talk about it real quickly here and then we'll move on. There when he's talking again about, for who is more powerful to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder to his house. And he just made note that, again, remember that Jesus is mightier than Satan, which we kind of just said, like he's stronger than Satan. He's already defeated Satan. Um, so Jesus can just take away what Satan took and give it back. Jesus is going into Satan's house and he's taking things back. You can look at it as that he's he's going into all these houses of Satan, which are the demonic people housing themselves inside human bodies. And he's coming in and taking those those spirits back in a way you can kind of visualize, hopefully visualize that a little bit more. I think that's also what you can kind of picture. This is like, again, this, was, this took me a little bit to kind of get grasp and understand. So hopefully it's helping you here yeah. to see that. So basically he said another take, you can see this, what Jesus is getting at here. So Satan wants to bind us all up in sin so that he can overcome, so he can come in and kind of take all of our precious things. Um, so we have to be called to be strong spiritually. It really has to be for the, the full armor of God. We haven't gotten to yet, but in that way that we always need to be, all of us need to be very on our guard spiritually because Satan's plan, again, is to get all of us bounded up in our sin so we become spiritually ineffective here. So he then he can come in and plunder our houses. And just something kind of think about, just taking that one point across of, Looking at the way that, that Satan is trying to take hold of all of us humans. Well, I don't think and a lot so, of people talk about there is a spiritual side that we don't see here. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's scary on. to think about, but it's also like I need to be aware of this stuff. So mm -hmm. I am strong with yeah. Jesus. So I don't leave any room for Satan to come in and plunder my house and take things. So, yep. So moving on to verse 30. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So moving to verse 31. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy um, against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. And this is another one that we had to kind of slow down and read a couple times. So you might have to as well and really see what's what's sitting with you. But hopefully what Michelle and I kind of share with you here, what we kind of learned and when we studied this more, will give you more insight of what's really happening here. So again, verses 30 and 31. Oh yeah, yeah I'll let Lori go and then I can yeah, share. Yeah, these again, these are all warnings to Jesus, to the unbelievers, that their fate is pretty much done and they will be judged. Like if you're not working with me, then you're working against me and I will judge you on that. Pretty much is what he's warning um, people there about and going into now to the Holy Spirit and the blasphemy the Holy Spirit brings you into the place you need Jesus so that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit that God to gave us is to convict us and always be drawing us back to Je pointing us back to Jesus that's yeah. one role of the Holy Spirit he's always there he's always pointing us all, all of us back to Jesus if we ever stray away but what he's saying here about the blasphemy about being a sick not being forgiven the blasphemy here is when the Holy Spirit will keep coming into somebody's life and what I studied is that eventually if the person keeps denying the Holy Spirit, eventually the Holy Spirit's going to stop trying. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the thing is like when you start, that's the moment of blasphemy when, when you resist that, um, when you resist the Holy Spirit because there will be a point when God tries to stop coming for you when you keep seeing that you just keep, keep, keep denying him over and over again and that's the 
blasphemy that he's speaking about here. Yeah, my notes here that I got from the Harvest family. Jesus, remember, Jesus paid for all sins on the cross. And remember, though, again, he's talking to the unbelievers. So as believers, we accept the Holy Spirit as a gift. So we shouldn't really have a, we shouldn't get right. too concerned about this because right. I think the Holy Spirit, as believers, we are always kind of being convicted of when we sin and stuff. I think, again, it's, it's a deep warning to the unbelievers, like, mm -hmm. hey, so. Yeah. And remember, Jesus paid for all our sins on the cross. So it's like, okay, so what's this unforgivable sin that if you died for all sins? And it's, it's, this is like, because it's a, it's, you're almost like really denying, you're denying God himself yeah. in a way. So people refuse God's free gift. And so this is why they go to hell. God does everything possible to keep people out of hell, but some still simply refuse. The Holy Spirit knocks on people's hearts, convicting them. This is the unsaved of their sin through judgment and righteousness. The Spirit will stop knocking, as Way was saying, when you don't take like the call of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you don't realize the Holy Spirit is trying to show you, hey, you're sinning, hey, this isn't right, hey, this is, you know, and you're not taking the warnings in a, in a way, that is the blasphemy. So when you block your mind, heart, and life to the witness of the Holy Spirit. So again, remember as believers, as Lord say, as believers though, we have the Holy Spirit in us and it does not leave us. Mm. Again, this is for people who um, still have not accepted Jesus. And as Lori already said, that they, um, if people aren't willing to change, the Holy Spirit will stop knocking. From the um, the Chuck Smith here a little bit mm -hmm. is just reminding ourselves that blasphemy is the unfor unforgivable sin. It's pretty much the refusal of the Holy Spirit in your life. And because Lori was Lori already mentioned this, that it's pretty much it's revealing the Holy Spirit helps you reveal your sin and realizes that you need Jesus. Mm -hmm. And remember, as believers, we know that the only way to be to be forgiven of that sin is to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So again, if you're denied Jesus. Your sins can't be forgiven. So going into verse 33, mm -hmm. a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? I just love how Jesus responds. For whatever, <laughs> for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Uh, last little notes I have here about the, the identifying the fruits and stuff. Um, so Jesus, again, is a great example of someone who gave good fruit. He did good things, and so that's what he's, uh, you can see there. And then the Pharisees, he's saying here, you, you brood of snakes, how evil men like you, remember he's talking to the Pharisees, men like you speak what is good and right, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And so he's saying here, you Pharisees, you can't speak truth because you're evil in your heart. <laughs> And that their words are revealing their heart. And, you know, it's pretty bold stuff, which I love that about Jesus. He just mm -hmm. always just gets right to the point. So he's pretty much saying, who do you guys think you are? You have no idea what what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what's evil, because look at your hearts. I see your hearts pretty much. And that you're what you're, you know, they're revealing what you really are saying on the inside. And so Jesus saying here that they are the children of Satan pretty much when they say brood of snakes. Probably, um, again, didn't make the Pharisees too happy that he's saying all this stuff to them. Which, again, this is making them 
disliked him even more. The words spoke truth of the heart, so they spoke Jesus. So they spoke Jesus was Satan, and not that they believed in him. So that's what he was getting. At. You keep thinking that I'm Satan, and not believing in who I say that I am. And this commentary said a few more things. Oops. Jesus warned them that the words gave evidence in evil in the hearts. So I love this. If the heart is a treasure of good, the good will overflow through the lips and do, you do good to others. But if your heart is a treasure of evil, like the Pharisees, that evil will spill over through your lips and you do harm to the people speaking and those who are listening. And I think mm -hmm. we can probably all vouch. We've probably seen stuff like that in our own life. I liked how you just reminded that it's like it's the stuff that's coming through your lips and, it, and it's either it's helping somebody Bible, or hurting somebody. In the Bible, in we did a little little side research on just emotions in your heart and your mind. And the Bible, they don't really make a, dis, a big, huge distinctive. Again, this is just for our now, we're going to continue to do more research and stuff on this, but they view the mind and heart as one because, as I was saying, they're like kind of what's running in your heart is kind of what your thoughts are and then calmly what you act on. I just wrote here. From the Harvest family that I got, I just loved how when when he calls him in my Bible, they said this is brood of vipers, yeah. and pretty much Jesus is calling them out, <laughs> like you're, he's you're calling them yeah. out. You're unguarded of what you're saying. You know this, your the truth, what's already inside of you is going to come out. So you have to be very aware. One thing we've learned along our journey so far is remember, God's looking at our hearts and our motives about things. And so I think this is also, even though I know he's talking to the Pharisees, I just think it's also a reminder for all of ourselves to be to be mindful of even what's going still in our hearts mm -hmm. and the words that we're speaking and how are we, how are by what we're speaking, how's it affecting the people around us. Just remember again, like I said, remember Jesus is speaking to unbelievers here, the mm -hmm. Pharisees, and he's pretty much, because you know, back, and I forget what, we haven't gotten there yet, some of the other scriptures moving forward, they, they say when you become a believer, you will not be judged. I think Michelle might have mentioned this in another Bible study, like, when you come to God in heaven, oh, He does not judge you, and so and he here, looks at you with like you have not, have not sinned. Right, Isn't that just amazing. It is. So here, Jesus is warning all the unbelievers: you, you're going to be a different story. Mm -hmm. You will be judged. The judging part is really for the non-believers. So of course, mm -hmm. you being here, we're we supposing that you are a believer and a follower <laughs> of Christ, and that we don't have to worry so much about the judgment on that day because um, of that. We yeah. just want to make sure Jesus knows us. And that you're seeking a relationship with them, which which we all are. So just, yeah. you know, so what's I know big stuff, heavy stuff yeah. there, but we're gonna move forward a little bit. So let's move on um, to the sign of Jonah. I'm starting at verse 38. One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, "Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign." To prove your authority. It's kind of like, well, I just, I, haven't I given you enough signs? I was like, all the healing. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus replied, I love how he replies, only, and Jesus always has a great comeback, because um, he's Jesus, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. So will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights? The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here. 
but you refuse to repent. The Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. Ouch. Another big ouch there. Yeah. Um, so some things that I just that I have just written of, um, Jesus is doing these signs of healing, like as we were saying and all. And he, what are you guys looking for? Um, Jesus also is probably wondering, like, why aren't they seeing it? Like, the, the sign that they're after. And also, I loved how the Harvest family brought up, like, Seeing a sign doesn't always mean a, like if they see if even if they saw a sign it wouldn't guarantee that that person would believe and change. Yeah. This so was comment- interesting that they're like Jesus like why are you at like yeah. this, this commentary is- said to ask for a sign was an evidence of unbelief. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to prove that he was the Messiah. What well, we wonder what further proof he could have been given and that's exactly what you know. So I can't remember what, which pastor I heard it from. But they were saying that I guess Jonah is one of those books that some people don't. I guess believe. Oh yeah, my was, guy, my was my, it him? Okay, it was yes, him. Yes. I was one of them we listened to, and I just thought that was interesting. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. Um, so that was like, oh really? Yeah. Like it's in the Bible. I guess I just interesting that some people just kind of pick and choose some stuff. They'll they'll believe out of the Bible and some things not. But anyway, that's another side story. But so I goes thought back that, to but Jesus believes. What I talked about at the start. Jesus believes in demon, demonic possessions. And Jesus believes in the story of Jonah. He mentioned yeah, it here. What, he yeah. talked about it here three, in the fish, three days, three nights. So again, if Jesus and we're all believers of Jesus, then we need to believe in every story of the Bible because Jesus does. So yeah. just and when you're out there in your day, if you hear other pastors or other Christian friends kind of like not believing this, you hopefully now have this conviction in your heart that like no like Jesus I, hey, said that Jesus he believed it. Yeah. Back in chapter 12, he said it. Yeah. Matthew. And then... Um, the three days and three nights, also Jesus was referring to his resurrection coming. Also here, the, um, the prophet Jonah was a Jew sent to the Gentiles, and the queen Sheba was a Gentile who came to visit Solomon. So because of the bitterness between the Jews and the Gentiles, this reference to the Gentiles must have irritated the Pharisees, because remember, they, they know their scriptures and their stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jonah was assigned to the people of Nineveh because he had experienced death, burial, and resurrection. The only sign Jesus would give to this nation was death, burial, and <laughs> resurrection, which he yeah. said was saying in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they did not believe that he was alive. We, we find that out later in Matthew. And so, and Jesus is greater than Jonah in many ways. He's greater in person, for Jonah was a mere man. He's greater in his obedience, for Jonah disobeyed God. Because we haven't gotten to that story yet, but I think some of us probably have known that story. That he ran. He, he ran. Not yeah. to do what God wanted to do. Yeah. And then Jesus actually died while Jonah's grave was in the belly of the great fish. Jesus arose from the dead under his own power. Jonah ministered only to one city, while Jesus gave his life for the whole world. So you can see how, how the story of Jonah, him bringing it up, was a was probably again stinging the Pharisees and all the Gentiles' hearts because mm-hmm. they knew of this story. And here he's like, "You, this man, but I'm here, and I'm I'm greater than he." And I love how this guy helped you understand, like, see the difference of how greater. Obviously, I think we all know that. Well, even just bringing up how the people that Jonah went to help, they even repented. Yeah, and, and he, yeah. how he's even saying. 
they're going to judge you on judgment day because you're not repenting and they did. Okay. So I thought that was just a, just a thing to get them to get them thinking and obviously they're not taking the bait or whatever. I also just made note here from the Chuck Smith pastor that we listened to also is that people also have a wrong concept of God and they lead to make their own gods and so it's a reflection of themselves being in their sense their own little their own gods in a way and obviously that's still relevant today. Uh, I have people here have a hard time when God's way is different than theirs so they reject God. When people worship other gods or themselves, they lose the real God and they lose sight of Him. We all should be coming, should be coming more like God through the work of the Spirit. We are being conformed to the same image of God through worship and service. So um, you have a right. So if you have a right concept of God, you'll have no problem with kind of what Jesus is saying and teaching here. And I think that just goes back to why there's an importance. And Lord, I'm excited to eventually get to the Old Testament to help yes. us know more of our God. Even though we're learning a lot through Jesus here, but I think it's important to, to why a lot of people you do need to read through the whole Bible to to that to make sure you have a right understanding of God. There are a lot of people that are, especially with all the New Agey and um not New Agey stuff, but the false teachings of that look Christian based, but they're not, and they're making God have, be like this genie in a way. And it's, it's okay if you do this over here. And so I think that's just as interesting. So even here reminding us all there will be judgment. Yeah. And this is not just for one person, but Jesus is also uh, saying this is um, for whole generations. And as we learn a little bit more, if we a little bit further that, you know, I written also here, there's no excuse for the rejection of Jesus Christ. Men from all generations will rise up and condemn you on judgment day. And, and that's what Jesus is kind of saying to these non-believers yeah. then is that, you know, there's no excuse here. You, you're asking for signs. I've given you signs. Yeah. And then about the, the Queen Sheba, I obviously we don't know the Old Testament that well yet. And I don't remember this story too much. I kind of know about King Solomon, but this commentary, just bring a little background for you that are interested in hearing about her. So how you saying, Jesus, he, I'm greater than also um, King Solomon. I guess, you know, King Solomon was known for his wisdom, his wealth, and his works. And then this queen of Sheba was amazed as what, as, at what she saw in Solomon's kingdom. But what we have in the kingdom of God through Christ far surpasses this glory. So that's also to like, you know, reminding us that with Jesus, we have a lot more than what King Solomon had. And he's trying, you know, remember he's, he's talking to people that know the Old Testament. Yeah. So obviously these are really stinging their hearts. Mm -hmm. um, and they said the main lesson behind this history lesson is this. The citizens of Nineveh will witness against the rulers of Israel, for they repented at Jonah's preaching. The queen of Sheba will also witness against them. She traveled a long distance to hear Solomon's wisdom, yet the Jewish leaders rejected the wisdom of Christ, who was in their very midst. The greater the opportunity, the greater the judgment, which I think we talked about in the previous chapter about like the more you know about Jesus and seeing all this mm -hmm. stuff, the more there's going to be judgment on you. And so this is what I think Jesus is saying here too to the unbelievers, especially you guys. You guys seen me here. I'm in the midst of you guys and you guys are still, still missing, still missing it. So pretty powerful stuff right there. All right, let's end it out. Verse 43. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its formal home empty, swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits, even more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before, 
That will be the experience of this evil generation. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Pretty, uh, again, more bold stuff from Jesus. And yeah. so we're going to dive a little bit deeper here with you girls and hopefully help, help all of us have a deeper understanding of what is, um, what is happening here. And I'll tell you, I think when I, I remember when I first read this part about the unclean spirits returning, and it's pretty obvious kind of what's happening. What I took away immediately was if you don't fill yourself up with Jesus, the person that can protect you from the demons, they're going to come back and it could be worse. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I loved how the Chuck Smith guy brought it up that you need to be careful with evil spirits. You could do more harm than good. You have to bring people to Jesus. That's how you turn the light into darkness. And I just thought that was just great. Mind. And we still need, we need to be very careful with our spirits and what we're, and that's why Laura and I, when we shared our testimony, like we didn't want any risk of anything that yeah. could welcome anything and just why Laura and I certain things that were too close to look we're worshiping other gods or, or other spirits we were like yeah. oh no 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 <laughs> yeah so this commentary again is reminding us here at this verse about talking about the spirits in the house and the empty homes and stuff you can said you can you can need to connect it back up to the verses that we just read verse in 24 was talking about Jesus was talking about Satan's house and the plundering of his goods and stuff if you kind of connect those two again Satan's house is the body of the person who's possessed by the demon Okay, it appears that the demons are restless and seek bodies in which they reside. So again, they're out there, they're real, and they're, mm -hmm. they're trying to find houses, mm -hmm. uh, human bodies to stay in. So when the demon left, this man's life was changed for the better, but his life was still empty is what Jesus is getting at here. And so when the demon returns, he brings even more demons back with him. And this man's life ends up even in more tragedy. Tragedy. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the primary application is to the nation of Israel, especially that generation that he was talking to. Um, especially that generation present when Jesus ministered there on earth again. So the people there, that generation that actually got to see Jesus do all this stuff. He's kind of saying like, heads up, you guys are you guys are the ones that really have seen this all too. So the nation had been purged of the demon of idolatry which was plagued them since the Old Testament times. Um, so anyway, they found that very, that they needed a savior and they were still rejecting, this is Israel still rejecting him. And mm -hmm. so then I also wrote again that evil comments, if you don't fill up and accept Jesus and reminding ourselves that they mentioned that this is not just for a person, but it's for a whole area, church, etc. Like, so that's when you can talk to Jesus ends it. That's how be with the evil generation. So it's, he's not just talking to technically to one person. He is Allowing people to know of a whole generation, whole areas of people, if you don't repent, you could be exposed to more demonic influence. And I, I not trying to say like I feel like, see like that's happening today, but especially in this 2020, you definitely see a lot of work of the enemy working hard this year to bring division in the world. Yeah, um, so remember just Jesus is using this illustration of the the home, the the, the devil going out and coming back. Um, to that generation and you can also look as Jesus came and what he did was good yet they didn't do anything with what he was teaching and then when Jesus leaves 
things got worse. Yeah. Obviously, we know I think times got a lot worse when Jesus got left. So it's a reminder to all of us, I think what we can take away is that we all need to be continuing ourselves up to fill us up with Jesus. Because he just wrote here in this commentary, I liked it. It is not enough to clean house. We must also invite in the right tenant. So I think that's just, especially since Michelle and I did come back uh, from New Agey stuff, where the, we didn't get, we're so grateful we didn't get too involved into a yeah. lot of the spiritual meditations as some other um, New Agey people did that talk about that they really opened up their spirits to allow evilness to come into them. And we've heard the horror stories of, the, of them trying to get the evil spirits out. So we're very thankful that. But he was just, remember the Pharisees back then were proud of their clean houses but yet their hearts were empty. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just it's just a, another big wake-up call to them, I think Jesus was kind of talking about. Then moving on to the last bit there, even our Lord's earthly family did not understand him or his ministry. Some of his friends thought he was mad. Um, I guess we'll learn about more of these in Bar Mark and John. But Jesus did not want the honor that comes from those people. While he was not disrespectful towards his physical family, he did emphasize the family of God. So I just love that too, how he may not like, I think goes back to what he says before, I bring a sword and there's going to be division in the houses. I think he's showing you here that even his house, his physical family wasn't always with him and didn't quite understand fully what he was doing. But yet he created this new family that did believe in him and was his followers. And that's the family of God. So I think as Christians, if you feel all alone in your family, maybe your family are unbelievers or you're having a hard time really doing what you want to do with Jesus in your life because of your family or friends, I think Jesus is reminding us, well, remember you have this other family, your other Christians out there that um, are your family now. And so I just like how Jesus really emphasized that. No, well, I'm here with them. These are my family. And these are, you know, so I just love that. Like he really emphasized that. Family. Yeah. Also, there's some people out there. I've never heard of this, but I'm sharing with you in case you have. I guess there's people out there that say if you pray to Mary or if you do things for Mary or and stuff like that, um, if you have it good with Mary, you'll have it good with Jesus. That you can get favor mm -hmm. through Mary. Oh. And I guess there's a lot of people out there preaching this and pretty much he's just saying here, hey, that's not like he doesn't even see her as that figure. So it's just it's just interesting that are I guess saying that they're, that they're many are putting I put my notes many put too much focus on Mary to be saved no scripture that supports us I mean this is definitely one that says Jesus didn't even acknowledge her as a mother and as Lloyd was saying we have a new family with Jesus and remembering that there's only God and Jesus like Jesus didn't say you know he said through me only right to get to the Father he didn't go talk to Mary and then then go and then like no he was it was just him and yeah. so just something if you, if you if you hear someone say that just know that this is a scripture you would turn to goes back ties into those other chapters when you mentioned about there'll be division even within the family yeah. so we pray that's not happening in your house but we know there can be houses with division again we we hope that this is your other extended family of your, Christians. Your family. We, you are our brother and sister <laughs> you mean a lot to us to let you know that you guys yeah. really mean a lot to Michelle and I and we love you guys dearly and really care about you and um so thankful to you guys not in a prayer and then uh, we'll see you in the next one okay so join along with us heavenly father creator of heaven and earth thank you for today's message thank you for the holy spirit working in all of our hearts guiding us through this scripture helping us all have a deeper understanding so thank you jesus again for paying the ultimate sacrifice for all of us we love you so much, in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank All you, right, girls. We'll see you in another Bible study.